You are joining Making a Difference with Melissa Clark, a new show that shares the compelling stories and voices of well-known and everyday people who change the world in big and small ways. Enjoy our guests. Call in, or just listen to be inspired. For this show was made with you in mind. Please join us every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with our special guests, and you can listen to our recast at www.melissaclarkshow.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us here on a Saturday on Making a Difference. I'm Melissa Clark. We have such an amazing show today. It's a beautiful day in New York City. Let's hope and pray that it stays that way for everybody. Uh, but I'm so excited for my guests today, and we're going to get to them in just one second. Uh, but I do have Monsignor John on from St. Jude uh, Church, my church. Hi, Monsignor. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, so we're starting to open up, and the church is actually opened. Is that correct? That's correct. We're open four hours a day. Four hours a day. Okay. Uh, are you having any mass? Well, we have mass every day on Facebook. However, we're not allowed to have mass with the people yet. Okay. That hopefully is coming soon. I don't know if you've heard. The news today, uh, De Blasio, or I guess maybe it was the governor, said that New York City will open on um, June eighth. Yes. You know the beginning, and uh, I heard also the radio. I don't know how much that is true or what. That he's also uh, looking at the probability that churches will be allowed to be open with more people. Right now, we're allowed ten people. Right. More people and maybe be able to do some services. So hopefully, it'll be opening up for mass, um, weekday masses, at this point. But I don't know. You know, until I get something officially from the diocese, we're staying the way we are. You know. Right. So when they do mass, they're they're obviously going to practice social distancing. So how many people do you think are going to be allotted to the um, mass itself? Well, we have to figure out. A while ago, they asked us to check your church. You know, we've, we've done this. If, if everyone sat six feet apart, yeah. you know, and, and um, how much room would you have in the church? Okay. We did do that, of course, with a pew or so between. Okay. We'll get about 55 people, which is not a lot. You know, yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to do a number of masses, but um, that's not a lot of people. Right, considering what you used to. Mm. Right, but they can still go on um, Canarsie, uh, the Facebook, to uh, uh, participate in the prayer with you. Is that correct? Because you hold a mass. Right. The the, um, the Facebook is is Saint Jude Canarsie, and uh, spell out Saint. You know, mm-hmm. and it's on Facebook. Mm. Okay, but for right now, they can go four hours a day. And what is the timing? Timing on on Monday through Saturday, mm-hmm. 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. On Sundays, it's 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock. Okay, and that's at 1677 Canarsie Road. That's correct. Okay, all we right. We do ask, though, when people come, they have to uh, wear a mask and... Uh, they should uh, sanitize their hands. We have a sanitizer on the way in. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't feel well, please don't come. You know? yes. Or if you have a fever, don't come. Right. Uh, I think just, just common sense stuff. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for that. And I look forward to coming and seeing you guys over there. I, I always love seeing you. Um, can you tell us, I just want to get your opinion on how you feel about all these riots going on right now. Are you guys praying extra hard? Yeah, I, I, I wish people could do things in a different way. You know, people can 
protest without rioting. I can think of people coming together having candlelight services or candlelight, you know, vigils. I can think of times, you know, where people come together and and, and just to pray for what's happening, you know. And more importantly, you know, people to stop and listen and see what's happening. You know, yeah. make sure we're not just rioting, we're not jumping the gun too soon here, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we're going to pray for all of them. And uh, I had asked Steve Pryor if we can just do a, <clears throat> excuse me, a quick prayer before we get started sure. with our show. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> sure. Thank you. Uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come together today and we, we uh, listen on ways to change the world, one thing that must be changed now, Lord, is we have to really um, learn to live through this pandemic um, crisis. We ask you, Lord, though, in your, in your goodness, please remove this pandemic from us. Please, in your mercy, be with us and to, to um, remove this plague. Lord, we ask you to remember those who are sick now from the pandemic. Reach out your healing hand to them. We pray for their families who are taking care of them. We pray for the nurses and the doctors who work with them in hospitals. We pray for all those in front lines, especially the firefighters, the EMS, the EMTs, the uh, paramedics, and the police officers who are out there. Keep them safe and lead them to their families. We also ask you today, Lord, that people remain calm and that people pray to you and look for answers from you. As always, we ask this as your loving children. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. And you're always looking for donations, so please, uh, if anybody can donate over to Canarsie, I'll put it on my website. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Okay, thanks. Right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That he's he's so wonderful. So I don't know who people who know me, although I haven't practiced. I'm actually a Eucharist minister at his church, uh, St. Jude, and I just love the community. Like everybody's there praying. Um, and also, I would like to just say really quick, Madison G is at though. She put a very uh, on her uh, Instagram. If you go on her Instagram, she put a wonderful man singing. I think it was Lean on Me. I love that so much. Everybody was singing together and everybody got together. They had their signs uh, talking about George Floyd. So please go on her Instagram and check it out. It's such a beautiful, um, a beautiful song, just a beautiful moment between people just singing together. So without further ado, Chef Jonathan Sinto. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> How How's are you? Everything? Very good. I want to I... do a split screen. There you are. I'm doing good. It's so hoping, nice uh, to... Mm. Hoping everything changes really soon for a lot of people. This is a, a crazy time we're going through in this world. I know. And you're making such a difference in people's worlds. We're going to get to everything that you uh, do in your in your beautiful life with your family. Um, Jonathan Sinto was on the cover of our Preferred Health magazine, and uh, we were thrilled to have him. We're going to talk to him about why he was on this cover in a little bit. But uh, he was on MasterChef. He was one of the contestants on MasterChef. Uh, he's been a chef since he's four or five years old. Yeah, right. that's about right. Uh, God bless you. And he's been all over. You could see him on shows. Uh, tell us all the shows that you've been on, Jonathan, Chef Jonathan. Uh, I was on MasterChef Season 6. Um, did some stuff for the, the Travel Channel. Uh, then I went on the Food Network that Chopped. Uh, then I have my own show called Family Kitchen Revival, which was on uh, Amazon Prime and Roku. Right now, currently, we're strictly on Roku, um, which some good things are happening with that. I'll fill you in guys a, a little bit. Uh, and I, I've dabbled in a little bit of acting. Been on Quantico. Um, I was on The Marvelous Miss Measle. I was on two uh, episodes of that. So I, I like to be in front of the camera. It's something that's always been a creative juice to get to get flowing when I'm in front of the camera. So. I've been very blessed. I can't say I haven't. We like to see you on camera. I really love the Kitchen Revival. I watched uh, two episodes, and I apologize that I didn't watch the whole season, but uh, I plan That's on okay. doing that. Yeah, but um, I want to talk about that in a little bit. So I want to just, uh, you're, you're a chef. You're an amazing chef. And tell us, what is what is it called? I, I How do you say it? Italian with the Japanese? Itasian. 
Itasian. Yeah, it's like right. <laughs> and that's so, your specialty. That's a specialty that I, I've been doing for quite some time. Yeah. So it's a combination of Italian influences and Asian influences. It's not necessarily just cooking Italian and Asian dishes, mm-hmm. but it's the essence, the flavorings of the Italian, the rustic, and with the Asian influences, those amazing spices that you, you can have. So I put that together. It's really a great fusion, a great marriage, and I've been enjoying it ever since, and people love it. So sounds, I can't stop. Sounds wonderful, the, the combo of both of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, you take a classic meatball and we can put some Asian spins to it, right? A little ginger, fresh garlic, uh, throw some really good soy sauces in there, a little bit of green onion. So it doesn't have that classic Italian flavor, even though it's there. uh, I'll Mm. throw in some hoisin sauce to make a marinara, uh, which gives it like that really smoky, sweet, a little bit of spice to it. Uh, And then I'll add some red pepper in there as well. So again, it's a lot of the same flavors Mm. that you might be used to. And then we're just introducing fresher flavors, more herbs to that, you know, great combination with the basil and the ginger. They just melt together. It's just amazing. It sounds so good. Oh my God. You got me hungry now. <laughs> um, so you started. <laughs> That's what we to do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so you started uh, cooking at the age of four or five. Um, did you know that's what you wanted to do with the rest of your life when you started doing this and you started cooking? You know, it was it was a, an instant love. I was watching TV and, you know, most kids were probably watching <laughs> Sesame Street and, you know, all the kids shows. I had more of a fascination for the food because I started watching Julia Child. I mean, what a great character she was oh, yeah. on TV. You know, the voice and everything. It was just an instant magnetism that drew me into her. And as I got older, I started watching Emeril Lagasse. I watched uh, Jacques Therese, um, Jacques Pepin. I mean, these guys were just amazing French chefs. And just watching how they were on camera, I said to my parents when I was got a little older, this is something I really wanted to do. Now, did I know it was going to be food for the rest of my life? Uh, I couldn't answer that. You know, obviously I was a toddler. Um, but it was something I was really good at. And yeah. I had that, that same great ability to talk about food on camera uh, like them. Cause look, working behind the line and being on TV are two completely different things. I would never compare them. Yeah. They're two completely different careers and no disrespect to any chef because they're not the same, right? I'm not going to compare me cooking on TV compared and saying, Hey, I'm a great chef because I've been on TV. That's not the case. You know, you have to work very hard and be in the industry and, you have to stay humble and educated and, and teach people. So when I got older, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. But sometimes and, life takes you different paths. Of course. Of course. What, what do you think you would have been done? What do you think that, uh, what, Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. What that's do you okay. think? You, <laughs> I can't get my thoughts together here. I'm thinking about the crazy world that we live in. I know it's uh, just nuts. <laughs> it distracts you. Um, what do you think you would have been doing if you weren't a chef? Uh, my passion besides cooking was being an animator. I was being trained classically. I have my degree in graphic design, so I'm really good with computers and graphics. Uh, when I was in high school, my art teacher, Mr. Mezaglides, had a connection with Disney, and I was supposed to go into that Disney animator training out of high school. Unfortunately, I decided to go to college uh, instead of the Disney University program that they had. Mm-hmm. When I went to college, I was trained to become a, a graphic artist to work on movies and and sets and stuff like that. But when I was working in post-production, I I decided I wanted to do something different. I I just, I didn't have that in me. That drive was starting to disappear a little bit, working behind the scenes. And I wanted to be in front of the scenes. Um, And that's when the place I worked for called Post Perfect, they had an opening in their client services. And that was when I really got my chance to work professionally with food. And it just started all from there, really. At 25 years old, I was doing some amazing catering. And uh, mm-hmm. I was super blessed to be able to work with some of the, the top names in the industry. And it, um, tell us about MasterChef and your audition. Your wife, she filmed you at home? Uh, my wife was the one that actually saw the audition. Uh, <laughs> my best friend, Chris, who yeah. really is not even my best friend. This guy is my, uh, is my other brother. I mean, he's an amazing guy. So he filmed it. Yeah. Um, my wife is the one that saw it and she said, I'm, I'm tired of listening to you talk about going on camera. 
And I was nervous, you know, to leave my career. I had a very good career. I was working for a culinary school in the admissions department. Mm. Um, but I was scared, I was scared to leave, um, you know, starting fresh at, at 39 years old and, and reestablishing a new career. It's, it was a huge risk. I mean, I had kids, three kids. Yeah. And she said, just do it. So you're going to talk about this the rest of your life. I, I believe in you and go do it. So we went in the audition in New York City at the uh, Doubletree Hotel. Yeah. It was pouring rain that day. It was just awful. Uh, I got a VIP audition because I sent in a videotape prior to that. And they gave me a VIP audition. So I got there. I was number four online. And I made a chicken marsala soup. So they bring you upstairs into the ballroom. There's yeah. another, I think there was another 15 people in the room, give or take 20 people. And everyone has to plate their dish in three minutes. So this is the audition process. So you have yeah. three minutes to plate, and then they want you to talk about your food. Now, how many people are going to chicken marsala soup? Not very many people, right? You probably have never heard of it. And I it thought of that good. idea. It was, it was delicious. <laughs> I thought about that idea the day before. And I said, I'm going to make this. And I stayed up till 5.30 in the morning, caught a train at 6.15, got into the city by like 7, and I waited online. And it was pouring rain. And it was probably – probably about 10, 15,000 people auditioned for that season just in New York City. Wow. Alone. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I think they chose three people total, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, from New York City to be on the show. So after that audition process where you have to show your food and explain it to them, they pick a few people to move on to the next round. It's kind of like an American Idol type yeah. where you have to go through each round like that. And we didn't know. They brought you into the room with the executive producers that were in – another room so now you're auditioning they lined you up and now they're asking you rapid fire questions and testing you and seeing how you would be comfortable being on the spot uh, i think there was me and this guy andrew who was a i think he's a political consultant if i'm not mistaken from georgia and he was a gay man so it was a great combination right yeah. to have him on master chef because it's not a it's not a usual thing that they're used to especially with politics right so so me, him, and one other girl, she was in another audition. I think she auditioned on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, she Shelly, she, she made the show too. Uh, and we were the ones that were. Yeah, they, they flew us down to uh, Hollywood to audition again. And it was a big process. It was like a four-month audition process to get on the show. Uh, I believe my season, it was like 45,000 people, 50,000 people that auditioned. And they chose 30. Um, to be on the show. So it was an amazing experience. I mean, I had a chance to cook for Gordon Ramsay. He ate my, my uh, amazing chicken Marsal that I made him. I actually veal Marsal. Sorry about that. Um, it was a veal battle. Me and uh, another guy from Chicago, um, Dan. And unfortunately, I, I didn't go through, even though I thought I did have the better dish. But it's what it is. It's TV. Um, How, did you feel? Did. How did you feel when you didn't go through? Uh, you know, look, everyone can say that they would not get mad. I was not happy, right? I'm competitive. I definitely was there to win, but there was other opportunities from the show. And if you were smart to use that to your advantage, because look, you know what? They're not going to do it for you. They're, they're yeah. not going to say, Hey, you go, even if you win the show, right? It's just a one-time paycheck, which I wasn't looking for. I, I didn't want just 15 minutes. I wasn't looking for, to become famous. I said to my wife, I want to turn this into a business for us. I think we can do this. And if I market it correctly, we have a chance to, to really do some great things. Yeah. Uh, and she was behind me the whole way. I mean, it was, it was scary, you know, starting a, a brand new business with, with kids. You just don't know where money's going to come from. Uh, it's a, it was definitely a roll of the dice. There's no question about that. Uh, but I use those experiences and, and my background to really network and get out there and, you know, it's not luck. It's hard work. You know, people yeah. are trying to get on TV and, and emulate what I did. You can't. Everybody's different. You know, you have to be you. You can't be me or anyone else. And I said, I don't want to be Gordon Ramsay. I don't want to be Emma Lagasse. I look up to these people, but I'm never going to be able to be them. I have to be Jonathan Sinto and just do the best I can. And that's exactly what my wife agreed with me. And, you know, she's not a person that likes to be in front of the camera. She does a lot of behind the scenes stuff with me and scheduling and planning. You know, she's real savvy and smart girl. So I was very blessed to have someone like that. I mean, you, you need that support to, to be able to do TV and, you know, be away from your family and, 
you know, be gone six, seven weeks and, and not be able to talk to them. I and mean, that's what they do on Master Chef. If, if you win the show, you, you can't talk to anybody. It's it's tight lip. It's uh, it's wrapped up, and they stop you from talking to the outside public. You know, you, you're sequestered for a long period of time. So it's another thing too. Mentally, you have to be ready to do these type of shows. It's not just talent. It's how you can react to things that are going to happen. Uh, and it's not going to always go in your way. So how do you adapt to that? You know, like on Chop, for instance, yeah. how do you adapt to maybe the end, the, the light on the stove going out or the burner is not working, right? Or the deep fryer, it's not working. The ice cream machine is not working. You have to be able to adapt to that stuff. So one thing that was always in my advantage was I was always a quick thinker. I think, you know, growing up in, in Queens gave me that, that quick thinking ability and quick on my toes, you know, kind of, kind of a, a little tough, rough kid I was. So I guess that was to my advantage a little bit. You have to be that way on these shows. You have to really think quick and you have to be on your toes. There's, these shows are absolutely uh, stressful. <laughs> I'm sitting there biting my nails. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, I would like panic. But um, they're, they're, yep. they're definitely stressful on the other side. That's what they want you to, to witness. They want you to feel like, Oh my God, it's, it's, you're going to cut his finger off. You know, that's, that's, that's exactly what the, the shows want because that's why you're watching it. Is the it's entertainment, I know. It's entertainment. Yeah. Uh, now, you've cooked for people such as Mariah Carey, uh, Alicia Keys, NSYNC, uh, the cast of um, Sex and the City, The Sopranos. Uh, yes. Do you get nervous when you prepare a meal for them? Uh, I haven't done it in a long time. When I was working at Post Perfect, that was where I had that opportunity uh, to do that. And I wasn't nervous. Because I went in there to myself saying they are just like myself, right? They, they want to be treated with respect. Uh, they don't want you to be like Google-eyeing them and saying, oh, my God, it's, it's James Gandolfini. You know, he, he, by the way, one of the nicest people I have ever, ever met, hands down. You, yeah. you wouldn't even know he was one of these big stars, right? And that's how they like it. They want you to come in there and, and respect them. Yeah. Just like you want respect back. So. I didn't go in there nervous, but I went in there knowing that I have to give them more than just a hundred percent. I have to give them my best ability that I can times two. I have to yeah. bring it to a level. I had to take it up a notch. You have to take that from Emerald Gassi. I, I had to kick it up a notch. I mean, these people want the best. I mean, they have the money that they're going to doing great things and going to great restaurants. You know, you have to be able to bring them that experience. So, if you're there privately doing this for them, you have to give them that experience that they can be like, wow, this is amazing. You know, you had to be there to wow them. So I wasn't nervous being around them, but I was definitely nervous making sure that I gave them the best food possible. Yeah. So it was a tense situation at times in my own mind, not them feeling it because I, I'm a perfectionist. Like I want to make sure that they were getting the perfect meal and that's what I usually strive for. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're so happy that you were able to do that for them. And, uh, you know, that, that must have been so amazing to cook for somebody like that. Did, were you able to see them eat it? Yeah, they, they had a room that was in post-perfect that they would eat in the actual control rooms. They had a separate area that they would sit down with their, yeah. their people or their managers or PR people. And we would bring them the food uh, and they would sit down and eat it. Um, and just watching their reactions, you know, the best reaction is when no one's talking and they're eating you know that something magical has happened. So that's what I always look for. I don't I look for someone to say, oh my God, this is the best food I ever had. Very rare does anyone ever do that. You'll know when someone doesn't like it because they'll put their fork down and they won't touch the plate. Yeah. So when the plate's empty, you know you did something right. Let's talk about Preferred Health Magazine and why we had you on the cover. So, sure. I was so I was so happy to interview you um, and what you went through. So please tell us uh, you have Shulman syndrome. Yes. Okay. Uh, diagnosed with, uh, it's called asynophilica fasciitis, which is the medical term. Mm -hmm. uh, but just like they have Lou Gehrig's disease and stuff like that, they always name a disease either after the person that had it or mm -hmm. someone that discovered it. And it's called Shulman syndrome. It, it affects the, it's almost an autoimmune disease. It affects the muscles. Uh, a lot of people, three or 400 cases throughout the world. So it's one of the rarest diseases out there. Um, and what it does is for some people, it's completely paralyzed them from the neck down where they have the eating from breathing and eating tubes, which is just incredible. Um, yeah. When I, when I found out I had it, 
I was doing, it's funny, I was doing food. I was catering my dad's 50th surprise party. Um, we did it here in my, in my parents' house. Yeah. And I turned to my mom after I was cleaning up and I said, my hands, I can't feel them. Something's just not right. And she's probably, she said, no, you're probably tired. You've been working a lot and doing dad's party. Um, maybe that's just what it is. So I was like, yeah, you may be right. And I was icing them. Woke up the next morning and I was completely paralyzed from the neck down. Um, didn't know what was going on. I couldn't feel my fingertips. Uh, couldn't feel my toes. It, w- it was very scary. So they yeah. took me to a-, a doctor. Couldn't find out. Was tested by numerous blood tests. Everybody was saying it was like a, a cancer that was a terminal type of cancer. That's what they first thought it was because I was losing my hair out of my arms and everything, the follicles on the skin. Um, it was closing up, so I wasn't getting oxygen to the blood vessels, and that's why all the hair was coming out. Right. And what it was doing was hardening the fascia on the skin, so it wasn't pliable, the skin. It was super tight. So the way for them to find out what was going on is they took a biopsy. They took about three inches out of my arm, which was skin, tissue, muscle, and bone. They took all that out of there to make sure. And they tested it, and it took months. No one could find anything. My uncle, Bob, who's a a well-known doctor here on Long Island, started doing research right away. And he's the one that discovered cases in Israel that this was happening. Uh, It happened to a hockey player from the Islanders who was a goalie um, who wound up becoming almost paralyzed completely. So it was was quite scary. And they, they said it. It happens to people who are very physical, active, or maybe have been a allergic reaction to some type of chemical, either in food, because there's a lot of chemicals in food, yeah. and you want to ingest it, and that's what they were thinking at the time. So now you're going back 20 years ago when technology, medicine really wasn't at the forefront for this because they were studying other diseases, you know, cancer and things like that were more important than this rare disease. So that wasn't really, there was nothing really out there. They gave me uh, prednisone, which caused me to have massive migraines every single day, mood swings. Um, It was almost, it's a steroid. So it's almost like I'm taking steroids and I was getting rage from taking that stuff. It was changing my personality. I lost weight. It did the reverse. You know, people will gain weight sometimes on prednisone. I lost weight. I went down to almost 140 pounds at at 25 years old. Um, It was pretty scary. How did it affect your relationships um, with was, your family? or You know, my mom was the one that was involved with it a lot. You know, she's the one that took me to all the doctors. We, I must have had about 200 blood tests in that period of time because they constantly were testing the blood to see what was happening, um, figuring out. I kind of became like a guinea pig time because it was so rare. Uh, you know, they, they didn't know what it was. And to a doctor, it's fascinating. You know, they want to study and research it. Um, I got tired of it. I mean, I went for physical therapy. I was yeah. doing that five times a week, occupational therapy, because uh, I couldn't pick up change or tie my shoes. I had to learn to do that all over again because uh, it hardened my, my muscles and the skin locked up practically. So I was like a rubber band. So if I turn the wrong way, my muscles can snap. Uh, my ankles became very weak. I had problems with my wrists. Um, so I kind of thought maybe it was linked to MS or yeah. in the arthritis family. So I went to what, uh, a specialist, a rheumatoid specialist um, who worked with my, my uncle Bob. And that's when they put me on, on the prednisone. But I stopped taking it after 25. Um, I said, look, I got to do something more holistical to it, a uh, different approach. Because also prednisone, it affects a lot of your internal organs. It's really yeah. bad for you. Yeah. It causes a lot of problems. It causes people to have heart attacks and stuff like that. So I said, I have to get off of this stuff, right? And I went 20 years without taking it. Uh, it was a challenge. You know, you had to hide things from people. You know, my hands would, if you could see here, my hands don't lay flat. Like this just happened about a year ago um, in January. So it's the muscles here are starting to harden up again up here, you see. So I can't really close the fist the right way so if you look at the difference that's more of a flatter hand but this is more of a like a claw you see that yeah so it's, it's that's so, mm. there's i went to another doctor recently and they just they don't know what it is they're baffled by it 
you know, they wanted me to come in to do their rounds with 25 doctors who were going to look at me. And I told my wife, I'm not going through that again. You know, it was bringing back bad memories. I want to move forward. Uh, and it's what it is. You know, it, it's something that I have to live with every single day. I, I have yeah. muscle cramps. Um, I, I, I sweat profusely sometimes at night. Um, I was recently, I had some issues with when I was, went out to lunch with my wife, I haven't told anybody this really, but I'll, I'll bring it up. Um, we were out to lunch and we thought something was wrong. I looked at my wife with a blank stare and I said, and something's not right. I got to the hospital and they thought I had a stroke. Oh my God. So it was kind of scary. You know, they called code gray. It was overwhelming. You know, all these people around you. Scary, yeah. Um, But they said it was what's called neuropathy. So a lot of my nerves. So a lot of it's linked together. Um, So sometimes I'll have issues walking. And that's why I haven't been really cooking as much for like the last six months. Is I had to take a rest, rest of my body. I had to heal myself. Um, So I haven't been doing the cooking that I love. And, you know, it's, it's what it is. You know, as you get older, you have to take a step back on certain things. Um, food is always going to be a passion of mine, but there's other things that I enjoy doing and I don't have a a problem saying, look, you know what? Maybe cooking one day might not be a reality anymore. I have to step away from it because of the physicality that is involved. We have a lot of um, uh, really great information on your story here in preferred health. And I'd love to go through all of it, but I really want to discuss the family kitchen revival. Um, I I have somebody coming on at two 40 and you're actually going to stay with us. Uh, But please head over to preferred health magazine and subscribe to learn about chef Jonathan's um, struggles and stories, what he went through on these shows. You know, he was, he didn't want to get disqualified. So he just toughed through it. And it was just really, you know, when I was interviewing him, I think I had tears in my eyes and you were telling me of what you were going through and you were so, you didn't want to get disqualified, but you were in so much pain. So you did what you had yeah. to do. Uh, but I, look, let, mm. I, I took some painkillers. I've, uh, you know, look, you have to be careful with that because you can become addicted to it. Yeah. But it was something that did help. Uh, I'm not going to say that I stopped taking it. I take it now. Um, I don't know what I would be without it. You know, I've tried every option out there. Uh, and it's something that's just become a necessity. And they have me on some really great medication now. Uh, and that's for the neuropathy. Um, so look, I, mm, you I never give you, up. Yeah. No, no matter what, anyone that's out there, any obstacle you have, and everybody has a different obstacle in their life. Never let that affect you to what you want to do, or what you want to achieve, because you, you can overcome it. You just have to put your mind to it and put yourself around a great support system. I wouldn't be where I am today without my wife. She, without a doubt, she is the most instrumental person besides my mom who passed away several years ago. Yeah. Um, who never had really a chance to see any of my success at all. Um, she but, sees it. She sees it through your children's eyes. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? My wife is a big uh, believer in paranormal and, and she got me hooked into it. Yeah. And I have some friends in the industry that work in it. Yeah. Um, Chef Jonathan, let's talk about Family Kitchen Revival. And I had asked you, do you have a knife where you can just show us? Uh, yes, if somebody who Thank you. Yep. So, I'm just going to take my earphones off. Sure. So Chef Jonathan is going to show us anybody who has rheumatoid arthritis or is struggling with any muscle um, issues. He's going to show us how to use a knife so you comfortably where you can, uh, you know, cut your food and you can make food for yourself. <laughs> and here he is. Wow. <laughs> I wanted to do it this week. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you see that better? Is that something? That yes, it's, yes, it's perfect. Okay, so typically the way I've been holding my knife, because I can't really put too much stress on my arm or any of my hands, I have to come underneath the bolster part. And yes. I, I use a rocking motion, which you're supposed to do, but I use a little bit of a difference. I have my hands, three of them under here, and then I pinch the front of the knife. And then I can get a really good smooth cut. And this is a beautiful knife, too. So you see how they cut the avocado also? The knife never leaves the avocado. Oh, he cut it. He cut it. So for the people on audio, because this is actually on my podcast show as well, so people who can't see this unless they go to my YouTube channel, um, he cut the whole thing without stopping uh, the yeah, whole you, uh, you get avocado. the knife, tip of the knife, and you come around as a circle. So you're just turning the avocado, but the knife is never leaving it at all. And then you get that nice whack. 
you can take that out. So you can see that, and then that's going to pop out. So, so basically what you're doing is you're not using too much of your wrist and um, you're just making it very easy for yourself and just guiding the food along right. with the knife. The knife is doing all the work. I'm not right. doing any of the work. Okay. Great, I have a really great knife from porch to table and this knife is just beautiful. It just glides through anything, meat, chicken, and it's a very versatile knife. I mean, I have the blade, beautiful handle like that. So we're just going to pop this off. Thank you so much. And then what you want to do is when you're cutting the avocado, right, you want to just give it a couple quick scores. But also, this is what my wife was doing the other day. When the avocado was ripe, you mm -hmm. can just pop it out like that when you cut it. So you don't have to worry about anything that's going to be dangerous. So she just popped it right out. I mean, she kind of <laughs> mashed it, but it was, it was kind of cool. When she mashed it, she got it all out, you see? Wow. And that was my wife that did it. And she's not, you know, she's not a chef, but smart lady, she figured it out. So... You see how easy that came out when the when the avocado is ripe. That's exactly what should happen. Yeah, and you can and make that, a really good toast for it. That's awesome, and you don't feel any discomfort in your hand. The your uh your really bad hand. No, that's my right hand too. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's the the hand. Like you said, that's really bad. Um, I don't feel any discomfort from it from doing that. No. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much. I wanted to do that when we first. Uh, had you on the cover, so uh, that never happened, but now it did. So thank you so much. Family no Kid, we have five minutes, and we're going to get Ann, uh, Amanda on, and I would like for you to converse with her as well because she's a vegan. So maybe sure. you guys can compare some foods. Uh, but Family Kitchen Revival, amazing. On Amazon Prime? Yeah, so it was on Amazon Prime. It's recently been removed because we're in the middle of doing some, some great things with it. Uh, but you can still see it on Roku uh, through Glue TV app. You can download that. Uh, it's a really simple process. You go to RoTube, search Glue TV. Literally, it's a 10-second download. It's free, and you can watch all eight episodes. Uh, but Family Kitchen Revival, when I was thinking about how can we combine food and helping people, mm -hmm. I thought about this idea now for quite some time. My wife and me, I bounce a lot of ideas off of her like at 3, 4 in the morning. Um, really, really woke her up. Hey, check this out. She's like, will you, will you stop? Go back to bed. Um, <laughs> but we, we found a, we, we launched this in January. We started casting and, and looking for people here on, on Long Island. Uh, we casted some eight families here, some great families, great people, great stories. And it gave them, gave them a platform to help them really heal, uh, to get out there and to share their, their own stories and give people hope that, I'm sorry. I don't know what that is. It's okay. I think uh, Alexa's listening in on here. <laughs> so, the, we, we so, said... the, so the, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I, so, the, so these families, I think I saw one where they lost their mama from cancer. Yes. yes the mother yeah, had so a really bad brain cancer. Uh, oh. Great family. Um, that was uh, the brother-in-law, Andy Oppenheimer, was the one that wanted to do something special for his brother-in-law. Um, and, and the children wanted to pay back their dads for taking care of them. Mm -hmm. And it was an emotional episode. You know, look, you, you go into these families. I didn't know anything about them, really. I'm going in there pretty much dry on their story. I, I've been told that, you know, they're, they're two kids. They lost their mom. That, that's mm -hmm. really it. We kept it very organic. The only thing I really knew was maybe if there were some family recipes so I can create a menu and go in there. Uh, so it, it was an emotional stuff. But, you know, it gave these families a chance to show other people that there is hope. Uh, people do care. Community is still there. You know, in a world we're going through this right now, this is a show that really now hits on all levels. I mean, we have the pandemic going. Yeah. We have riots going on right now. And we're going through a lot of crazy things. And, and the world is kind of feeling like they've lost it, right? But watching a show like this, because we've had we have so many cultural influences in, in this show, uh, it shows that there's still people that do care. And that's yeah. when doing this show like that, it, it was, it was emotional. There's no question. You know, I broke down myself during filming, you know, crying. Yeah. Uh, I'd never done that before. My wife said, I never saw you cry. I said, well, now you did. <laughs> that so was one of my questions was, to you. I think you had, you had to stop, right? Did you stop in the middle of your. Yeah, we had to stop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They had me on camera. I, I know I, I'm going to post that footage uh, so everyone can see it. It was one of the interviews. Um, and when they were talking, uh, the kids were talking about their mother I yeah. was talking to them, and I told them, 
that one thing you always have to remember is the good memories with your mom. And, and the little girl started to cry. So we had to all stop. And, you know, she's seven years old. She never really had a chance to have an experience with her mom as an adult. Um, it, it's, it's tough, you know. And, and you feel their it, pain because you know what they went through because you lost your mom. Yeah, absolutely. You know, look, it's a different age. I was, I was, uh, my mom died in 2010. Um, so that's, uh, years ago. I was 35. So yeah, I was still young and, and I still had, I had my kids and my daughter was really attached to my mom. Um, so I understood what they were going through. It was definitely emotional for them. And we had to take a break. Look, they're kids. We had to take a break. I told them enough. We don't, question you anymore you know this is not what the show is about this is not to make you look bad on camera you know we had to explain that to them yeah so we were able to combine the food and their stories and they had a chance to thank the people that helped them it's with the dinner that they cook with myself and and it was great they sat down with the dad and it was an emotional time if you watch that episode but we covered a lot of different things you know people had breast cancer um we went through a lady who owns a horse farm out east, which was an amazing thing, uh, which was pretty cool to be filming on that. Uh, we, so we did some crazy, crazy things and, and some amazing things. And the show helped a lot of people. And I'm I'm really excited for maybe season two. Who knows? I hope uh, we, so. We, you never know. It's There's other other things that I'm, I'm working on uh, right now. Um, so Family Kitchen Revival is a great platform. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there if people want to get into that type of industry. There's so many streaming opportunities that you can put your content out there. Uh, so you don't have to wait for other people. And we're going to do another show that's going to be a competition show. So wait till you see what that's going to be. It's going to change the industry as far as competition. It's nothing like Chop. It's nothing like Master Chef. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing like uh, the cake competitions, Cupcake Wars. We're going to introduce something that's fun and challenging. And we're going to probably put it on one of the streaming platforms. And, and we'll wait and see what happens. We look forward to seeing it. And uh, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to introduce Amanda. How cute. And my, my high jacket. It did? Chef Jonathan. Yes. Can you just put it on mute for one second? I just... Sure. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Stay on though with us. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Yes. This nice is Amanda. Nice to meet you too. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is beautiful. Amanda Mancini. She is a certified trainer. Yes. She is a vegan for four years now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does it feel being, how does it feel being a vegan after knowing what meat you know meat and chicken taste uh, like. you know it was actually easier than I thought I really always had in the back of my mind an issue eating those kinds of foods I remember I had to have the chicken a certain way so I could you know ingest it without getting disgusted yeah and uh so now it, it seems uh like I, I never ate it before it's almost like that food is not my food anymore I never uh, I don't miss it at all Wow. And how, yeah. of course. Well, yeah. Um, and how long have you been into fitness and health for? Um, most of my life. I grew up in a very uh, fitness minded household. So I, my earliest memories of my dad are sitting on his back doing push ups, and, you know, we were always doing something active. So my entire life. And then when I was about 19, I started personal training as a side job, never thinking it was going to become my profession. And, uh, when I had my children, I had left my career as a teacher to stay home to raise my children. And then I wanted to make some extra money. So I continued to do the personal training and it turned into a full-time profession for me. And uh, I never looked back. I always, uh, I always loved it and I still do today. Are you doing most of your work online right now until we can get back in order? Well, yes, I've expanded my business uh, in the last few years, actually. So it's not due to the quarantine. I've been uh, building online for quite a while. I, I've expanded my business to uh, help with people with plant-based nutrition uh, and essential oils. So I'm kind of branching out from the training. I still do the training. I do uh, in-person uh, groups and things like that and private clients. And I also have fitness programs that I offer on my website. But uh, I, you know, I've already been online. So nothing's actually changed for me. Okay. Thank God. I 
Yeah, thank God. Yeah, right? <laughs> and you, you're a mother of twin boys. No, actually a boy and a girl. A boy and a girl, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. And uh, they're 16 now, so they're not babies. They kind of do their own thing. So wow. I have more time than I used to. And, uh, you know, they're good kids. They, they don't give me any trouble. So How are they handling this? Uh, did they graduate from school? No, they're, uh, they're, well, they're going into this senior year now. Senior so, year. Yeah, so they're home, and I have one working, and the other one is, you know, uh, taking up space right now, so we have to find something for him to do. But, you know, it's not easy for the kids. You know, right. I'm hoping that they lift this soon so they, have, they can go back out into the world and enjoy yeah. themselves. Yeah. Amanda, why is it so important for you to help women? I know you have okay, Pure well, Fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, well, I've been training women mostly in my career. I have trained men, but I do specialize in training women. And, uh, you know, a lot of them become your friends after a while because you've spent a lot of time together. You talk and you naturally want to help your friends. So whatever their struggles were, they, they tend to be the same. You know, obviously it's weight loss and uh, issues with their health and uh, maybe some emotional issues that they may be going through. And I you know, I've always naturally wanted to help my friends. So whatever I was learning on my journey, I always wanted to share it with my people that I cared about, whether they were my friends or clients. And, uh, you know, I'm always inspired by people that are seeing results and feeling good. And if I had something to do with that, it, it makes my day, you know, that I know I could help them. And uh, you've said that you're into essential oils. I'm wondering, I have Jonathan on. Jonathan, Chef Jonathan, this is Amanda. How you doing, Amanda? How are you? Nice to meet you. Thanks, you too. So, um, yeah, so uh, Chef Jonathan has Shulman's um, syndrome, which is a yes. muscle, a real muscle. So are there any essential oils do you think that he can use to help him? Well, there are actually some oils that um, are great for pain management, great for neuropathy. I heard you mention that. And I, I could definitely share some oils that would be helpful to that. But a lot of the, I have an autoimmune condition as well with my thyroid. It's called Hashimoto's. And that was actually what prompted me to switch to a plant-based diet. And uh, it's really most of the time, the, your best chance at helping yourself get past any health issues is through your diet and food. And unfortunately, the Western diet is not conducive to health. And uh, it's so foreign to us to not have these foods in our, on our plate that we had our whole lives. So when I switched over, I was able to manage my autoimmune condition without medication. And I do use the oils. That's how I found the oils. So it was all at the same time that I found the oils to help me with my Hashimoto's problem. And then I switched my diet and then I never needed, thank God, to um, have to pursue medications and things like that because I was able to help myself. So when I hear people say they're having a health issue, it always goes back to me to the food. And then, uh, you know, obviously the oils are great, but I feel like the food is going to be the main, you know, factor in, in possibly reversing or, or uh, reducing the symptoms of anything you might be dealing with. Autoimmune is a big one, actually. Um, some people have complete remission. Some people feel a lot better. Some, you know, your, your issue may not accelerate and get worse because once you have one autoimmune condition, you, you are susceptible to others, unfortunately. And we're exposed to so many things. It's not just the food, but we're exposed to a lot of toxins. And we don't even know half of them, what they do to the body and the vaccines and all of these things. So, um, you know, I, I do look to the food first, but the oils are amazing. So for actual uh, immune boosting properties, uh, that would probably be a whole other topic. But uh, pain management and neuropathy, they're wonderful. They really are. So I could give you some recommendations on that, of course. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. I'm open to anything that will help. Yeah, good. Yeah, I, I didn't know about the oils at all. And then I, I was looking online. I didn't know what I was doing at the time. And I kind of stumbled upon all these names of things. And then I started to do my research. I said, let me give it a shot, you know. And we did all the, sure. the changes with the diet. And I, I started using oils. I went back to the doctor. And she said, you don't have, you know, you're, you're, you have the antibodies, but they're much more reduced than they were. And you, you, you're not experiencing any of the issue. So in my opinion, you don't have an issue. So I said, wow. Okay. So it's been that way ever since. So I just kept going awesome. with it. Yeah. Do you see That's a difference awesome. after you became a vegan? Uh, you know, it's funny. I had a lot more, I was, it was a lot easier for me to manage my weight as a personal trainer and my entire life. Actually, we always, um, questioned our food. You know, it was like, it was four ounces of a potato, you know, four or five ounces of chicken and your vegetable and everything was always measured and the macros and all that. 
And I had to, I was able to stop doing that because you actually learn how to eat properly. So I no longer measure my food and we actually, you know, I, all the clients I help too, we, I've lost weight and so have my clients without trying to, you know, you no longer trying to lose weight. Um, so that's one thing. I have great energy. I'm an avid runner. Um, obviously getting older and I haven't seen any uh, change in my body. All my pain and inflammation has gone away. This is another thing. I suffered for years with uh, plantar fasciitis. You know what that is? It's a, um, you do? Okay. When uh, the bottom of your foot, the ligaments get really tight yes. and you must not walk. You can't like walk on your feet without shoes. And especially in the morning, it's extremely painful. So I actually developed I a heel spur. Oh, you have it. Yeah. So you know the pain. I developed a heel spur that I wasn't able to run the way I used to. So I, I used to do a lot of competitive running, marathons, half marathons. I actually had to stop tra um, racing because I couldn't train at that level. But I was able to kind of trudge along and just continue to run. Well, I realized, and I, I think it was, again, the combination of the food and the oils, the inflammation for my body has gone completely away i have no pain in my foot at all and uh i was recommend it was recommended by multiple podiatrists i need surgery and i say you know what i don't know how it happened but i have no pain in my feet anymore at all ever. that's great so, i mean obviously it's like diet that. related yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah so you know what it is okay it's very painful yeah i have them i have them both feet yeah okay so uh, there's a lot of changes positively that way. Uh, my skin is not going well. It's always clear. I, I, you know, I never had major issues with my skin, but I've had clients that have changed their diet to plant-based, removing you know, dairy and oils and things like that, and their skin goes from acne, blemishes to nothing, beautiful skin. Uh, so that was a big change. And knock on wood, we don't get colds. We don't really – I have to be – I get a knock on wood when I say it, but – we're all, thank God, pretty healthy. So I can't, I feel very empowered by this because a lot of people walk around sick all the time. They're getting cold. They always have something yeah. wrong with that. And I'm like, are you drinking water? You know, I don't tell people and they ask me, but they're not doing the things. They're not doing the things that help promote their health and their body. Right. And then when you have something like this virus, a person that doesn't take care of themselves on a regular day is should be worried because their immune systems are depressed. Whereas we're doing things to improve the immune system through food, through, uh, you know, obviously sleep is super important with the autoimmune, which I didn't realize that I kind of knew it, but I didn't realize how important sleep was to your health, yeah. which I started doing, um, you know, getting sun, exercising, all that. But uh, the sleep was a big one because I used to be perpetually sleep deprived because I kept saying I had to work so hard and, you know, I just kept pushing sleep off. I'd, I'd run on four and five hours a night. It was terrible. And I stopped doing that. And thank God the quarantine, in a sense, actually forced me to, to be better about sleeping. I just wake up when I'm not tired. And that's kind of a nice thing to do. But it's, it's good for you. Chef Jonathan, were you afraid yeah. that you were going to get this virus because of uh, what's going on with your body? You know, not really. I'm pretty much following all the protocols. And I think a lot of this... And, I don't want to get too political because that's not my thing, but I think a lot of this has a different Please agenda. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Please it's, don't. I, it's not my thing. I don't, I don't do that. You, you see, I never post anything like that. That's, I don't, I don't. Thank God that, you but. don't. That's why I follow you. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it never leads to anything good. No matter what you say, yeah. there's always going to be that one person that's going to say, what is this guy talking about? And they, and they, they'll attack you. So uh, I wasn't worried that I was going to, going to get it because I've been following everything I'm supposed to. Um, we, we eat pretty much, I cook all the food here in the house. Um, you know, I'm trying to stay away. We're getting deliveries for the food. You know, I've been doing Amazon fresh. So they've been sending stuff to the house. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just staying away. I mean, I have kids. I don't, obviously it's not hitting kids right away. I mean, there is a pocket that it's been happening to, but we've been staying pretty remote here in the house and, uh, hopefully this changes very soon, but I, I don't think. I don't think I'm going to get it, but I don't want to jinx myself either. You know, you just don't, you don't even know if you do or you don't have it. That's what they're saying. Uh, so I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to believe. <laughs> well, I went to go get, take the uh, antibody test and I came out negative. I could have sworn that I had it. When I first started the show, this, when this whole thing started, I'm coughing away on the camera. Sure. They're like, Oh my God, thank God. This isn't knock, in person. Knock on wood. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't coughed or sneezed. I, I have, you know, bad allergies mm. to begin with. Um, and this was way before that, you know, I've, I've taken, uh, allergy medication, Flonase and stuff like that. So, but knock on wood. No, I mean, 
I don't have any of the symptoms. So thank God that, yeah. I mean, there's too many people live in my house here. We have seven people total. So, you know, it would affect, it would affect my father who has health issues and you know, yeah. he has to be careful. We're wearing the masks and sanitizer. I've never gone through so much sanitizer in my entire life. It's, I, I should have definitely like stock or something in it. It's, it's just amazing what people are charging. I, I just, it blew my mind. I was in 7-Eleven the other day to buy this the spray bottle and they were charging like $5 for like a, a 0.3 ounces. I was like, this is more money than buying, you know, saffron. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so you guys are actually giving us some extra time. Is that okay? Can you hang out with me for yeah, another 15, I'm, 20 minutes? Sure, I'm good. good. Okay, good. We can, I just wanted to compare some foods because mm -hmm. Amanda is vegan. Um, uh, Chef Jonathan, um, do you do a lot of plant-based food? Uh, yes. Yes and no. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm not supposed to eat red meat, so I pretty much stay away from it. Um, there's times I do crave it. I mean, I do like filet mignon, and uh, clients have – I cook what clients like, so I have to taste it. You know, I'm, I just don't cook it. I have to make sure it's what I'm feeding them is something I would eat. But typically, I don't eat hamburgers anymore. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a hamburger. I don't know how long. Um, once in a while, I have some meatballs. You know, it's just my Italian culture. It's very hard to get away from that. Uh, pasta, I notice, has been a big issue of myself. It's uh, obviously the the wheat flours and 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 the gluten and the the flours itself, the white flours that they make pasta. It's so heavily processed, and there's so much starch in it. That's always been an issue. I know, I notice when I eat pasta, it causes inflammation. Um, but it's just hard for me to stop eating it, even though I love it so much. Uh, bread, you know, things like that. Again, the white flowers are a big negative uh, on that. So my kids eat it. I don't eat too much bread. Uh, so I've been trying to do really well. I eat a lot of fruit. Uh, not a big green person, except for maybe I'll have some broccoli. I'll have some asparagus. Uh, I like spinach, but lettuce, I, I, I just I stay away from that. But you're um, so cooking kind of, all fresh. Is that correct? I'm sorry. You, you cook yeah. all fresh. Everything is fresh. Nothing is really canned. The only thing I ever take out of a can is tomatoes from Tudoroso, mm -hmm. which is the, the plum tomatoes. I don't ever cook anything from a can. I make everything from scratch. Um, the pastas we, we make from scratch, and unless we're in a rush, and uh, I have to cook that for my kids because they like the ZDs, and they even sometimes eat it raw out of the box. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> they're amazing little kids. Um <laughs> Yeah, so we're making everything from scratch. I just made grilled chicken yesterday on the grill. Uh, we bake a lot of stuff. I'm not allowed to eat fried food because of where my cholesterol level was. Yeah. It was astronomical through the roof, scary stuff. And the combination of that and the blood pressure, they wanted me to go on blood pressure medication. I refused to do it. I said I'll lower it myself, which I have. I've got it to where it should be, which is um, – I'm really excited I was able to do that. So we've introduced a plant-based diet to it, but we're not completely vegan. I would say there's more vegetarian influences that, that I've been doing mm -hmm. um, to become vegan. I don't know if that's possible, but you never know. You don't know what, what you're going to do in life. Amanda, what is your um, daily um, uh, diet consists of? Well, the, um, with the whole food plant-based diet, which is the diet I follow, when people say vegan diet, it's more of telling people what you don't eat. You know, when somebody say I'm a vegan, all you're letting them know is that, you are not eating animal products, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a healthy diet. So there's a lot of people that are junk food vegans, which is not what I, you know, what I promote and what I follow. So what I follow is called a whole foods plant-based diet. And the premise behind that is whole foods, mostly starch, which is a lot of people don't under, uh, think that carbohydrates are bad for you. It's about 70 to 80% starch, about 10% protein, and about 10% fat. So the, the goal and the way you can reverse the, the whole foods plant-based diet is the only diet that has ever been proven to reverse and prevent heart disease in the majority of patients. So Jonathan, you mentioned you have high blood pressure and cholesterol. I will tell you from personal experience, which is how I started. Uh, when I first started going on a plant-based diet, my cholesterol was high and I couldn't understand sure. it. I said, I was eating so much chicken. And as a trainer, I didn't know chicken and salad. That's all we ever ate. I mean, that was my diet. And I didn't realize at the time, and I, it, it just amazes me that I didn't, that chicken actually has more cholesterol than beef. You can Google yeah, it. I know. Uh, you probably know. And so I didn't know that. All I was eating was chicken. And I was eating a lot of eggs, right. egg whites and all that. I mm. took that out of my diet. My cholesterol plummeted like 60 points in two months. 
So I, I can't tell you how many people I help to do this, that if you just cut down on your animal consumption, not, you don't have to become completely vegan, but if you cut down quite a bit and you replaced it with other things, you'd see a major change. I, I did myself and, and, and literally hundreds of people since I started. Um, typical day for me, uh, you, we don't eat any oil on a whole foods plant-based diet. Oil is a processed food, clogs mm -hmm. your arteries. It's quite, it, it, it damages the endothelial cells in your body, which promote a lot of cardiovascular disease actually. So I, I know you're Italian. So a lot of people that are Italian cook with a lot of oil. That's just, I was raised that way. And you know, we, we just, uh, so not even way. olive oil. No, no oil, avocado oil, coconut oil. It's a processed food. It's removed from the food. And all you're left with is the most calorie dense, high fat food that does nothing for you. You yeah. get enough fat from, if you eat an avocado that already has the vitamins and nutrition and the, you know, whatever you're eating in the food is in there, but you don't need to extract the oil from it. So I will eat an avocado or uh, a nut or something like that, but you're not going out of your way to eat the oil from the food. It doesn't do anything for you. And there's a lot of ways to cook without that, uh, which would probably be uh, hard for somebody that's used to cooking that way. But um, what do I eat in a day? Typically, a typical day, because I do a lot of fitness and exercise, I have everything down to a science and, and I'm doing it so long. Um, my breakfast is always the same, but it's oatmeal, blueberries with flax seeds, almond milk to mix it up, and some date sugar and a banana. That's my breakfast. Uh, lunch, I'll typically do a raw food mixed in with uh, like a lot of a big salad. I always do a big salad, raw foods, but I throw in a starch. So it's either brown rice or wild rice or quinoa or, or sweet potatoes. Potatoes are so good for you. I eat them all the time. Uh, so that's usually a lunch. And then um, mid-afternoon from hungry, I'll snack. we usually snack on fruit, you know, vegetables and things like that. You can have popcorn with no butter on it, put different seasonings on if you feel like you need something a little more substantial. Um, dinner, I'll usually do some kind of lentil dish or bean dish. Uh, I do a lot of soups. I, I make my own veggie burgers. And I always put it with on a bed of starch. So it's uh, rice, some, you know, or, or quinoa, whatever it is that we, we're doing that night. And then I always add in some greens, whether it's some broccoli or um, roasted Brussels sprouts and things like that. And uh, that's typically my day. If I'm hungry, I have a bowl of cereal at night, a whole green cereal with some almond milk. And uh, sometimes that's 10, 1030 at night. I mean, people uh, believe a lot of myths about health and uh, they, they don't eat at certain times. They, they do keto, they do uh, intermittent fasting and they, you know, it's craziness. It's all fads. Just, you gotta just eat like a normal person and all that, all the exhausting yo-yo dieting goes away. You don't have to think about it. So if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm not hungry, I don't eat. If I'm thirsty, I drink water, you know. Um, but my food is very clean. Um, I don't eat a lot of fats. I don't eat a lot of vegan cheeses. That, that's another pitfall of what vegans do or plant-based people do is they'll eat a lot of uh, processed transition. We call them transitional foods. So when you're first starting, they might have these impossible burgers or, or right. fake sausages and people are like, yeah. oh, I, you know, I'm vegan now. I eat you're no better for it if you just switch from eating a piece of chicken to an impossible burger and think you're going to it's probably a slightly better, but it's not going to, you know, to make some real changes in your health. So um, I really try to stay with whole foods. Like I don't need too many processed things if I can avoid it. But I always tell my clients, whatever is your best choice at the time. So if you're home, we're home now, and you have available, uh, foods available to you that you can eat that are healthy, that's great. But if you're in the airport or you're going to, you know, we were in Disney World this past uh, December. It wasn't easy, you know, I had to do the best I could there, but I was still able to get vegan food, but it was far from what I would eat at home. But that was the best choice I had at the time. So that's what people need to do. Whatever is the best thing you can do at that time, you make the best choice you can. Thank you so much. Yeah. And where can we find you? Is it Pure Fit Women? Yes, purefitwomen.fit. I'm on Facebook, um, on Instagram at purefit underscore women. Um, I do most of my chatting with people and connecting on Facebook. I'm most uh, visible there, I would say. But I have my website. And of course, they can email me on my website. I have a newsletter that I send out a couple times a month if you're looking for healthy tips on uh, nutrition. I do virtual workshops on uh, cooking, meal planning, all the stuff that people have trouble implementing. They know the right thing to do. They just don't exactly know how to do it. 
So that's my specialty there. And I teach uh, in-person workshops as well um, when in New Jersey. So I, I go all over doing that, uh, teaching people about oils and uh, plant-based nutrition. That's pretty much what I do. Thank you so much, Amanda. And yeah, Chef, so welcome. Thank you. And Chef Jonathan, where can people find you? Uh, you can go to chefjonathans.com. You can also find me on Instagram at chefjonathans. Uh, that's pretty much where I connect with majority of my fan base or people looking to reach out to me. If you send me a direct message, I'll definitely answer it. Um, sometimes it gets put into like a chunk folder because Instagram does that, but I'll, I'll find it and connect with you. Um, but you could reach me directly on my website and there's a contact page and you can email me directly through there as well. We look forward to seeing what you have next. And uh, I want to thank you both so much for all your information. And uh, please head over to Preferred Health Magazine and subscribe. We have, amaz- we have a great um, issue coming out uh, regarding the coronavirus. So check us out. And uh, thank you guys so much. Thank and you. please be safe. And uh, let's pray for peace. Sounds great. Thank Ooh. you. It's so nice to meet you guys. Thank you. You too. Amanda. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bless. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay.